Hey, I'm Andy, and you're watching episode six of the Andy McMillan Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. I'm excited that you're joining in, tuning in, watching, listening, getting this through Carrier Pigeon. However you're getting this information, we're so thankful that you're tuning in. And if you're finding this stuff impactful, if it's changing your life, if it's making a difference, I'd love for you to do me a favor. Do two things for me. Number one, subscribe. That way you get the latest content as soon as it comes out. We're doing this every week and every Tuesday you'll get a nice little ding on your phone if you just subscribe and tell it to go to your notifications. The second thing that you can do is share it. You can share a couple of different ways. You can share it on social media. You can even just hit the share button and send this to somebody via text message that might need it. So however you do that, thanks you so much for getting this out there. Well, in today's episode, we're actually going to be continuing a conversation that we started in episode five, the last episode, and that is a discussion of healthy relationships. And we talked about it from the, the viewpoint of the relationship triangle. That's what I call it, at least. And we talk about three different sides of that triangle. The first side, or, or the foundation, is mutual wholeness. The second side is vulnerability. And then the third side is propelling forward. Now, we'll talk about mutual wholeness in just a second. But just to give you a, a little bit of thought on the other two, vulnerability is us being open in those relationships and then propelling us forward our relationships with people that help make us better, that help us grow and help us develop as people who follow Jesus. And so we are today jumping into the conversation of mutual wholeness. Well, before we jump into the topic of mutually whole relationships, I want to lay a little bit of groundwork on how we're going to talk about relationships. And I think that we can categorize most relationships in three different areas. Number one are relationships that invest in us. They're, they're people that have taken the time to pour into our lives. Now, these can be parents. Uh, if you come from a healthy background or a healthy family dynamic, that would be your parents, probably the first people that invested in you. Others could be pastors, people who are spiritually investing in you, and maybe even people in your work that have chosen to mentor you to help you become somebody better than who you currently are. However, whatever that person is, whether it be a friend, mentor, or somebody you've worked under, or a parent, these people are people who are responsible in part for who you are today. They've taken the time to help shape and mold you in some way or another. The second person that we could talk about are people that we've actually done the opposite, and that is invest in. They're people that we've actually chosen to spend time developing and helping shape who they are. These people may be people that we've served in ministry or somebody that we've worked with. Maybe you've taken the time to show somebody the ropes in an industry. I can remember when I was in college, I actually started in sales at my very first job. And I remember these two roles very uh, plainly in the first job. I worked in a shoe store, uh, the New Balance shoe store in Birmingham, Alabama. And I loved that first job, mainly because when I came on, there were people excited about investing in me. They were excited about helping me develop as a salesperson. Well, it wasn't very long that I got the hang of it and, and became pretty good at it because of their investment. 
Well, after several months, I found myself not being the low man on the totem pole anymore. I was actually the person that was helping the new person learn how to do the job. Now, I don't know if I was very good at helping them figure out sales, but I took time and developed one of those people. And it was a lot of fun, and I felt very fulfilled by it. You've probably experienced that too. We've all had those moments, and and let's be honest, there's something about getting to impart what you've gotten into somebody else or impart what you've received into somebody else and seeing them flourish that just does your soul good. It just feels right, you know? And so that that's a beautiful feeling. So we've got people that have invested in us, people that we've invested in, and then we have relationships that we are just present in. And these relationships, I think, are a beautiful picture of the relationship that God desires to have with us, that there's not an expectation there, that it's not about what I can do for that person or what they can do for me, but that we're just present in those relationships. And I think that those are the relationships that God desires for us to have mostly in our life, that there's something good about relationships that we can invest in and they can invest in us. But there's something much deeper and much more intimate when we can just stop and be in relationship with people. And I think that for some of us, actually a lot of us, we have relationships that are invested in where one way or the other, where they're investing in us or vice versa. But most of us don't have deep relationships that we just are present in because Honestly, if we're truthful, we struggle with seeing them as a necessity or seeing that those relationships matter. But I believe that those are the relationships that God desires for us to have. I think that those are the type of relationships that Ecclesiastes chapter four talks about. Let's look at it. Ecclesiastes chapter four says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either fall down, the other one can help them up. Ecclesiastes is painting this picture of being in a deep, present relationship with another person where no matter what's going on, when we go through something, that other person has our back. And honestly, if we're truthful, a lot of times when we talk about relationships that we're investing in or they're investing in us, those may or may not be people who have our back when life gets tough or when life gets challenging. But relationships where we choose to invest just by being present with each other are those Ecclesiastes for relationships. They're the relationships that those people are gonna be by us no matter what. I would say it like this, that I think that many of us have a lot of connections in our life that we call friendships or that we call relationships, but those connections don't always equal relationships. In short, we have a lot of connections, but I don't know that we have a lot of biblical, deep relationships. And I want to help you through these next few episodes discover deep relationships, find people that we can begin to have that relationship that God desires for us to have. And the beginning of that, the very foundation of healthy relationships is through what I call mutual wholeness. Now, mutual wholeness doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we have everything together. When when we hear the word whole, I think we always go to that conclusion that we're saying, oh, well, that means that I can't be in a relationship with someone who is different than I am or has a different struggle than I do. And that's not what we're saying at all. What we're ultimately saying is that these two people choose to have God at their forefront and their relationship with Jesus is what drives their life. 
First uh, Corinthians says it like this, or actually, Second Corinthians says it like this. First Corinthians doesn't say it, but Second Corinthians does. Let's check it out. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? When we look at this passage, I know a lot of people feel a tension with it because on the one hand, Paul's telling us not to be in a relationship with those who aren't believers. However, when we look at Jesus' life, we see him living his life with people who are not good people, people who are sinners, people who lie and cheat people, awful people. So what does that mean? Are we supposed to do what Jesus says or what Paul says? And the answer to that is yes. Jesus spent time with people who were broken, but his deepest friendships weren't with those people. His deepest friendship wasn't Zacchaeus. We know that Jesus had three friends that were the closest to him and one friend that was even closer than them. And so when Paul's talking about not being unequally yoked, he's specifically talking about those deep friendships. And that's what we're talking about today, finding mutual wholeness in deep relationship with other believers, relationships that you can depend on, relationships that'll be there for you, and relationships that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, there's a bunch of different places that we could look at in scripture to point this out, but I'd like to look at one in particular. It was one of my favorites growing up, and I mean, if you grew up in church like I did, when you think about this particular story, there's one thing that comes to mind. Sunday school teachers, and well, I guess two things, and flannel boards. If you don't know what a flannel board is, uh, it was basically old school cartoons on a flannel board with just like random Bible characters. And if you paid attention, the same one dude on the flannel board was like Moses and Abraham. He played all the important people. But anyway, let's read one of the famous flannel board stories from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter three. Let's read this together. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, and the justices, and the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they had stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they heralded and proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people and nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn and the pipe and the lyre and the harp and the bagpipe and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image the king has set up. And whoever does not fall and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning furnace." Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of musical instrument, all the peoples and the nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that certain time, Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. 
And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning furnace. There are certain Jews, however, whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to him, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the harp, the bagpipe, and every other kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a fiery furnace." And who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you for this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning and fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into a burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and all of their garments, and they were thrown into the burning furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the, into the furnace? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Whether we're hearing this story on a flannel board in Sunday school or we're getting this story from the word of God, I think it's a powerful story. We see these three men in relationship stand together in, in a life or death situation. And I think that there's a lot to be said out of this story about what mutually whole relationships look like. And one of the most obvious things, and I'm going to say it and you're probably going to think, duh, that's, that's a no-brainer, is this. These men loved God. I mean, they really loved God. They loved God so much that they were willing to risk their life instead of just bowing down to a statue. They were willing to, to love God so much that they would potentially sacrifice their life for him. And they would have sacrificed their life for him had God not shown up in a miraculous way. And I think this is an important value, even though it could be overlooked because of this. A lot of times we allow people into our life and we naturally develop deeper relationships with people that aren't necessarily Christ followers. But mutually whole relationships start by knowing that I and the person that I'm thinking about being in a relationship with deeply love God and have a desire to serve God. And I'm gonna say something that may sound a little hard, but I believe it's true and I think it's easy to back up with scripture. And that's this. 
that the relationship that we have, the relationships we have with people can only be healthy when both parties love God, when both people in the relationship desire a relationship with God. Now, we have relationships with people that we're called to share the gospel with, that we're to be light to them. But if we're talking about relationships where we're just present and there to have each other's backs, those relationships were meant to be relationships where both people love Jesus. And this is a boundary I think we all need in our life, that, that we choose that, that rule, that we're not going to go deep with somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God. And this may feel a little narrow sometimes, but when we choose this, we're going to see fruit from it. When we choose to only go deep with those people, we're actually going to see more health in our life. Why? Because when we're both going after a relationship with Jesus, there's a peace to that relationship. There's a joy to that relationship. And there's a consistency and a camaraderie that we wouldn't have if we weren't both going after a relationship with Jesus. Now, again, that doesn't mean we don't have friendships with people who aren't Christians. We couldn't live like Jesus if we didn't have friendships with people who weren't Christian because we see Jesus do that all throughout his ministry. But with deep relationships, we need them to be mutually whole and that begins with both of us loving God. Another characteristic of mutually whole relationships we can glean out of this passage is that they had shared values. They shared very similar values. We know this because they stood up to a dictator together, right? I mean, they stood up against the dictator for the exact same thing. And not only that, we can see in verse uh, 16 and 17 that they all collectively said the same thing to the dictator. It tells us that they spoke out against Nebuchadnezzar together. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying that in order for you to be in a relationship with somebody that you need to agree on 95% of everything. I'm not saying that at all. But I do think this, that there should be fundamentally some similar values and similar value sets. And we talked about it several episodes ago about unity in the body of Christ. And I believe that there is unity inside of diversity and God's called us to have unity inside of diversity. And I think that we can see that in relationship, but I do believe that when we're talking about bringing people in close to our life, that we should be cautious to allow people to be intimate in our life and really have influence in our life and be that present with us that have very different value systems. One of my old youth pastors used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in that statement because the longer that we spend time with people, the more similar we become. And when we choose deep relationships with people, we do rub off on each other at some level. Now, some of that rubbing off is a surface value and some of it is deep, uh, fundamental ways that we think and we live our life. I've got a good friend that we've spent a lot of time together over the last couple of decades. As a matter of fact, I think this year marks the 20th year that we've been around each other. And I've had several people over the course of a lifetime tell me that we sound alike. As a matter of fact, several years ago, I ran into a guy, or I was talking to a guy on the phone actually, and we were discussing something that had nothing to do with this particular person. And the guy stopped me about 10 minutes into the conversation and he just said, hey, I know this is random, but do you know, and he said the guy's name. 
And I said, well, yeah, I do know that guy. I've known him for a really long time. He said, that is crazy. You guys sound just alike on the phone. Now, I say this because on the one hand, it's kind of funny that some random guy in Texas had talked to a friend and talked to another friend and put that together to say, wow, you guys sound alike. It's kind of random. But I say it to illustrate the point that when we spend time around each other, when we spend time with people, that there is an influence there. And it's not just surfacy in our dialect, but there's something that happens on the inside of us when we spend time with each other. Our values tend to mesh together. There is that part of our relationship that happens, that we affect how each other thinks. I think that it's not just important from a spiritual place that we share the same values, but I think it's also important from just a practical place. You know, you want to have close friends that you can trust them and you can ask them what they're thinking and you can really talk about deep issues. And when you don't share values with that person, it makes it harder to do that. There won't be the same trust there. But when you know that you have shared values in that relationship, There's something special that happens there. And so I want to encourage you, as you're trying to find these healthy relationships, find some people with some shared values. The last thought I want to share from this passage is that mutually whole friends are loyal to each other. They're loyal to each other. When we look at the scripture in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up to Nebuchadnezzar together. They went to him together and said that they would not bow down to the statue, that they were not going to answer to this dictator. And I think that this is very important that we see that Shadrach didn't go, Meshach didn't go, Abednego didn't go by himself, but that they chose to face him together. They were loyal to each other. Not only were they loyal to God because of their love for God, but they were loyal to each other. I think that we've lost the art of loyalty in the world that we live in today. I think that our version of loyalty is pretty surfacy most of the time. We want to be loyal as long as we're happy with that person. We want to be loyal as long as that person and and you are in a good relationship. I know that I've felt that way, that when somebody offends me, it would be easy for me to just stop being their friend or, or not have their back. But God's called us to be loyal in relationship. And we see this in this story, that these three men were loyal with each other. They were loyal to each other and they were loyal to God together. And we can see all throughout the scripture that loyalty matters. You know, you know I, I know that loyalty matters for a couple of reasons, not only because we see it in scripture, but also because the deepest wounds people have in their relationships are because of a lack of loyalty. I know that in my own life, some of the worst wounds that I faced are wounds from friends that I thought had my back that I thought were loyal, and that I thought were people of good character. And unfortunately, I learned the hard way that they just weren't. They weren't loyal. And people who aren't loyal, they're not people of good character. And sometimes it's a hard lesson to learn, but we need to find people and search for people that we can see have a track record of loyalty in their friendships. How do I know that? Like, I mean, how do I know if somebody has a good track record? Well, How many friends do they have past a decade? How many friends do they have in a long period of time? You know, there's a lot of excuses of why people don't have relationships like that. But I can tell you, I've moved all over the country. I've literally lived on the 
opposite ends of the United States. I've lived in Florida and I've lived in Oregon, but I've still got some very close friends. And I've found that friends that are loyal are the friends that I'll fight for. Friends that have been loyal to me even when they didn't have to be and had my back even when they didn't have to are friends that I'll fight to keep that relationship. And if you want a godly friend that's loyal, if you want a friend that is gonna have your back, Look for somebody who's had a relationship with people that maybe have moved away, but those people have still worked to keep that relationship because it speaks to their character and who they are. Well, these things are all things that make mutually whole relationships, that we all love God, that not only that we have shared values and on top of that, we're loyal to one another. And when we make these things principles at the foundation of our relationships, then we'll have the beginning of a healthy relationship. I hope that this was helpful to you today. I hope this encouraged you and inspired you to to begin some healthy relationships, to really move forward. Maybe in a relationship that you've got, explore who that person is, get to know who they are, get to know some of their values and begin to have the relationship that God desires for you to have. Well, until the next time, I'm Andy. Thanks so much for watching the Andy McMillan Podcast. Mm -hmm.